All right, Colossians chapter 1. Colossae was the city and the group of people that the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, depending on your tradition, has uh, come out of. And Paul was actually, as the video alluded to, sitting in prison in Rome, awaiting trial when he wrote what are called the prison epistles. And Colossians is one of them. And I'm really excited to look at it, but uh, just to give you some context, even as early as the 5th century B.C., so think Xerxes, think Esther in the Bible, as early as that much, uh, we begin to see uh, Colossae as a city formed, and even Xerxes is recorded to have marched through there and collecting different things. And so Colossae had a long history of being situated right on an integral trade route. And so people coming in and leaving an upwardly mobile city. And then something happened. The Roman government changed that route from going through Colossae to some nearby cities. And I don't want to give you everything that your study Bible can give you. So you can go read about that. But that shift caused that city to begin to decline secularly, as, as in its upwardly mobile, thriving status. And so as that route moved and less people came, the people of God were left there in that city to do what God had called them to do. But it wasn't going to look quite as illustrious. And in those moments, um, a guy named Epaphras who had started and planted that church, began to notice that there were some things going on around the world, around culture, that were causing the people of God to stop trusting in God. And they were starting to look outside the walls of the church, outside the words of God, to find purpose, to find meaning. And they were looking at the Roman government to provide that. They were looking at different religions to provide that. And they were getting pulled away from what was most valuable. And so Paul, for Epaphras, is going to write this letter and he's going to call them back to standing in Christ. And next week we're going to look at really one of my favorite passages in all the Bible about the preeminence of Christ. And so... Make sure you're here for that. But we need to lay some groundwork before that. Last week we talked in the finishing of our Ordered Love series about 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says that faith, hope, and love are the things that will remain, are the things that are going to last, but the greatest is love. And when you come to the rest of Paul's letters, you see him talking through those things. And as you come to Colossians chapter 1, it's not going to be any different and he lays a groundwork, a framework for what the rest of the book is going to call you to stand in Christ. But you have to get a vision for what does it look like for me to be a Christian in our type of city? It's going to help us grasp that. So if you have a Bible, Colossians chapter 1, let's read the first 14 verses. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the Saints, we talked about that in our last series, that every single person in God's eyes who has been adopted into his family has bowed the knee, confessed Christ is a saint in Christ. 
and that that's not something you do. It's something you receive from the Lord. And so he's writing to these saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So notice he's saying who they are, not what they're doing. Right. Because he's going to now write to them about all the things they need to tighten up in their thinking. But don't ever get confused about what you're doing and whose you are. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you stumbled in here because you've been struggling just with your life. And you could fill in all the blanks of what that looks like. But even in this greeting, Paul's reminding people that he's about to help change some of their thinking to change some of their habits and practices. He reminds them that if they are in Christ, that nothing else really matters. It doesn't matter what shame you've brought in here today. It doesn't matter what sin you've brought in here today. None of that matters at the foot of the cross. You see, that's the whole thing. If you're not a Christian today, or if you're watching online, you're not a Christian, that's the whole thing. That's the entire crooks of what we bring to the table as followers of Jesus is that you, in fact, are not who you're supposed to be. And as we look around at our culture, it is not what God created it to be. It's broken. And oftentimes we're not answering the questions that people are asking. And I just want you to know that no matter where you're at, God can meet you there. And so Verse 3, Paul jumps in. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your, if you're a Bible highlighter, I want you to circle these because they connect us back to the other letters that Paul wrote. Let's go to what he says. We heard of your faith, circle that, in Christ. It all begins there at the foot of the cross, your faith in Christ, and of the love, circle that, remember, faith, love. That you have for all the saints because of the, here it is, what's it say? Hope. Faith, hope, and love. They're going to be the constant thing that you come back to in your Christian life. Am I actually a Christian? How's my faith? How's my hope? How's my love? What am I going to share with people that I want to share good news with? What is the gospel? It's about faith and hope and love. It's the framework for which we live in Christ and stand in Christ. So we are laying up this hope in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So it's not just don't necessarily say maybe you've heard this phrase where it says, don't don't worry about what I say. Just watch what I do. You share the gospel with your actions more than your words. That's not entirely true. It's pithy. And at times it can be true. Your actions should match your faith. However, you're a sinner. Am I breaking ground for anybody today? Did you not know when you came in here today that you're a sinner? Maybe you're not a Christian. And I just want to I just want you to know that before you get to the good news, there is that bad news that you aren't who you're supposed to be. That's part of it. But we bring this word of truth through the gospel words shared that though my experience here in this life is falling short. In Christ, I have everything that I need. That there is actually a satisfying answer to the questions that are happening in our culture right now that aren't being answered. 
And, and I want you to grasp that because th- this, this stuff is not abstract. Like when you go to lunch after church today, there will be people all around you that actually think that their government can bring them hope. And it can't. That as we swing that pendulum back and forth in our country, it will endlessly leave people hopeless. Because every four years, the Savior comes and doesn't deliver. Little s, Savior. And so we, this stuff actually matters to you. Like tomorrow, like this afternoon. Like knowing what you believe and why you believe it literally makes a difference in your everyday life because people are going to be asking the question about God. And we want to be ready for it. We want to be ready for it because there is some things that God's called us to do. And so he goes on here and says some really important things in verse 6. So the gospels come to you as indeed in the whole world. And listen to this. Listen to this. It is bearing fruit and increasing. Maybe today you need to know that the church is not dying. We're told a lot that in our own country that the church is on the decline and that more and more people are are religiously affiliating as none. But I, I want you to know that the thing that's actually happening is nominal Christianity is dying. People who aren't actually followers of Jesus are starting to just say, you know what? I'm not actually a follower of Jesus. I was there for business. <laughs> I was there for friends. But I'm not, I am not confessing Jesus as Lord because that's the thing that's actually what makes you a Christian. Confessing that, you know what? I, I'm not God. I don't have the best plan for my life and I'm going to submit to the one who does. Oftentimes the Bible, the gospel is referred to as being offensive. And you're like, well, how can good news be offensive? Because it re-centers us in our proper place. Super important. But I want you to know that around the world, the gospel is bearing fruit. We partner with people like V3 and Water's Edge Network because it, it connects us to not just Judea and Samaria, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so literally last night, I was uh, got this little pop-up notification on my phone from a church in Jakarta, Indonesia, one of the most hostile places on the face of the earth towards Christianity. Little live stream video, and it was a pastor of a church we support over there through the Water's Edge Network going live, reminding people that they've now gone to seven services in a building like ours because they don't have enough room in one of the most hostile places on earth. The gospel is bearing fruit. I I was over there just a, a year or two ago and watching this pastor shamelessly walk into a river and into a pool and baptize people where they could knowingly get put in jail. Just baptizing people. It was incredible. And you're thinking, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody do that knowing they get thrown in jail? Because the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing. And you want to know something? God wants to do that right here. Not just at Redeemer City Church, but in this country. Just reminding people that the gospel 
is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, he reminds them, since you heard and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow servant, he's a faithful minister on Christ your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Back at love. So verse 9, here comes the framework in which Paul wants them to think through everything he's about to say. He says, and so... From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And he's going to say these specific things. And I want you to track with me here. Because as Paul was praying that for those Christians, I want to submit that we begin to pray for each other as Christians in this day and age that we would do these very things. What are those things? Here it is. He says, pray for you asking. So God, he's asking God that these things would happen, that you would be. Filled with the knowledge of his will. Super important. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That is the tension for every one of us in the 21st century United States of America. That I'd be filled with his will and not mine. He goes on. In all spiritual wisdom... And understanding, here it is, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us. From the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son and whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. If you're taking notes today, they're in the worship guides with you. If you're online, you can get them on the Version Bible app. First thing I want you to write down is this framework. What is Paul getting after here? He's saying we are filled to walk for fruit. Very important order to that, that, that we are filled to walk for fruit. That's the framework for which all of these other things that he's going to say matter. He said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God. Verse 10. Why? Because when my vision goes up first and I love God, Truly and deeply and am changed by him. And filled with that kind of knowledge, it's going to produce in you and in me the ability to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So often, those of us that are Christians get that backwards. We try to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord without ever spending the time with the Lord necessary to walk with the Lord. And for the Lord Bearing fruit, right? It says that the, the gospel's going out and bearing fruit and increasing and constantly moving. And you're like, but I don't see that in my life. Well, because your vision goes up before it goes out. Because God promises to meet you and fill you. Think, think about this. What it says is you're going to be filled with what? The knowledge of his will, wisdom, and understanding. Until we get those things... We can't do the next things, walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing to the Lord. 
I use this analogy a lot recently, but it just makes so much sense. It's like if, if you compare this to your relationship with your significant other or your wife or husband or anybody that you care about. If you would just stop communicating, how how great do you think your walk with that person would be? How pleased would that person be? I can tell you at the Coon House, Camden, who you just met, would not be pleased. <laughs> can I get an amen in church today? <laughs> because if I have no knowledge of her, if I have no love for her, if I have no understanding of her, I'll never please her. And how many of you know I don't try to please her because I have to? I try to please her because I get to. And I don't do that perfectly. Can I get an amen in church? <laughs> She's like rolling her eyes like, you're worse at that than you're letting on. But we understand it in those terms, don't we? We understand it like, like I want, like I'll never forget the first time I saw her. Clearwater Christian College, 2004. Come on, rest in peace. Inside joke. Doesn't exist anymore. Good thing we got master's degrees. We'd be lost. But I'll never forget that moment. And I looked at my best friend, Brian, who would confirm this story if you're watching online, buddy. I looked at him in a prophetic moment in the history of my life, and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. No lie, I said that. Did I actually know that? Probably not. <laughs> but why? Because I fell in love with her. And I am falling in love with her. Every week, every month. As the years pass. Coming up on 13 years of marriage, she's put up with me. Yes. Amen. But we understand in those terms, and I want you to just think through that God calls you his bride. God is thinking about you in that way. And every time you mess up, guess who's there when you come home? God. I love the Old Testament scripture that talks about the fact that God sings over his children. Right? It's powerful. So we, we, we get that, and it leads to fruit. What is fruit? Listen, listen what the passage says. It says, knowledge of God leads to love for God, which leads for fruit in every good work. It's not that we don't do good works. It's that knowledge of God leads to love for God, which will then lead to love for people. You see, as you begin to pray for those names that I'm challenging you to pray for, you've got to love that person. You've got to love that person enough to share with them the thing that matters the most. I want to connect that for you, though. I really do. And we've been talking about that for weeks and weeks, is that the things that we read in this book need to translate their way from the pages to your mind, to your heart. That's what this framework is really doing. We're filled to walk for fruit. That is really what has to begin to happen. And so we, we talk about growth track. We talk about city groups because we want you to get in community and be pointed towards what God has called you to do. And so if you've never done growth track, come today and let us start helping you. Let us disciple you. Help us help you help the kingdom 
come on earth because God promises to do it. And if you want to be a part of that, 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, he's willing to use you to do it. It's not what the professionals do up front. It's what all of us do every day of our life. And so God delivers you from this domain of darkness into his kingdom of light. Think about the language there that God delivers you and doesn't just deliver you and leave you there. What does it say? It says he transfers you into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son. And we live a different story. We, we had a story and God interrupted that and now you begin to tell a different story. Fruit delivered and transferred. Listen, again, I don't know what you walked in here with, but why is this so important? I mean, what does this have to do with you this week? Because maybe you're struggling with sin and you're, done, and you're not told anybody. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin, God's faithful to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But then it also says in James chapter 5 that if you will confess your sins to somebody else, that you'll find healing. See, some of you have, have confessed your sin to God and you're like, why isn't this gone? And God would say, because you were never designed to carry that alone. What if we all just took that mask off and got really real? What would God do among us? Maybe you're depressed. Very real. But what if you knew that you were a saint in Christ and that you have brothers and sisters all around the world that will love you, care for you, pray for you, walk with you, be with you, and that they're just a they're just a, a sign up at Info Central away. Literally. Maybe you lost a loved one. How, how do we reconcile those things? It's in this place. Maybe, maybe you're just mad at God or let, let's talk about this. Maybe you're just bored at church. Join the club. Because, listen, if this is the only thing you're doing in the kingdom of God, you will be extremely malnourished in the kingdom of God. This, me, don't give me that weight. This will not deliver on what you are looking for. Once in a while, I might hit one out of the park. You might love the sermon. But maybe, probably, most likely, not every week. I'm going to work on it. Don't you, don't you get me wrong. I love this. I love you. I love seeing you. I love in just a minute taking communion with you. But make no mistake about it. This is this is one piece of the kingdom that you need. But this will not satisfy. This will not satisfy the longings of your heart. There's more. There's more. So if your life is stagnant, you're waiting for God. Look back at verse 13. Think about this. He, he, God, has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All the way from the very beginning, 
with Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan's been telling lies to God's people for all of time. That God doesn't have your best interests in mind, and he doesn't love you like you love you, and that you would make a better boss than he would. And I just want to tell you right now that that's not true. And that in this moment, as we take communion together and as we sing one more time together, that in that moment, you can have hope restored. Hope lost can be hope restored. But it will never be found in your job. It will never be found in your marriage. It will never be found in a new car. It will never be found in a new job. It will never be found in anything but the kingdom of God's son in whom you have that redemption and forgiveness of sins. Because, listen, the answers to the longings of your heart are not out there. They're in here. Where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Son of God, become man on your behalf and mine. Through the joy, the Bible says, the joy set before him endured the cross so that you could be made right with God, that I could be made right with God, that we would have a shot at being right with each other. You're not getting that in the culture, but you can have that in the kingdom of God. Amen.